Michelle Obama's speech, All the Lies. Mr. Reagan. Hello, and welcome to Newport, Oregon. Extraordinarily beautiful part of the country, I think. Now, Michelle Obama delivered the keynote address on day one of the Democrat National Convention, and it was, I thought, absolute garbage. Just about everybody on TV disagrees with me. Naturally, the pundits on MSNBC thought it was brilliant. She is absolutely riveting. She delivered epic shade. Yeah, but I have to say the part where she said, I don't even like politics. Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm not even here because I even like politics. I'm right. here because I'm trying to save you. This, is, this has come with me if you want to live. But even the folks over at Fox News thought she did great. She has the ability to connect with people through the screen. When you talk about authenticity, uh, she has it in uh, spades. Michelle Obama stuck the landing. She really flayed, uh, sliced and diced Donald Trump. This was a very effective speech. But here's the thing. Michelle's speech was absolutely riddled with lies. She mostly just said, Joe's a really great guy and Trump's just awful. And that in itself is false. What was really egregious were the details she used to support these claims. Britt Hume actually called her out for this, but then he just dismissed it as politics as usual. We're talking here about the style and some broad themes. We're not talking about the specifics of what she said, which was absolutely laced with distortions and exaggerations, but that's what we expect in political rhetoric. That's the way you do it. Well, I won't dismiss this as politics as usual. I think this speech needs to be scrutinized and her lies need to be called out one by one. I think the primary weakness in Michelle's speech was actually the format. It's just far less compelling. This convention lacks the epic nature of a proper convention and is far less impressive. And Michelle only drew just over half the audience that tuned in four years ago. The 10 p.m. time slot, the time at which Michelle spoke, drew 6.7 million viewers on the major networks. Compare that to 11.6 million people who turned in during the 2016 convention. Now, I must point out that many people have now switched to streaming these days, and these numbers were not counted, so that might have contributed to the drop in ratings. But, and this is a very important counterpoint, many leftists are still in quasi-quarantine. In the big Democrat-run cities, like where I live in Los Angeles, a lot of businesses are still closed. So unlike four years ago, this year, they've got a captive audience. And yet still, the ratings are way down. And consider the volatile nature of the political environment. Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioting. We've got AOC and the squad. We've got the Russia hoax, coronavirus, face masks, lockdowns, shutdowns. People are still out of work. Crime is up. People are fleeing the Democrat-run cities. There's a lot going on this year to attract people to politics, and yet they're still not tuning in. Interestingly, the broadcast networks, which usually attract a more moderate audience, had lower ratings than the much more hard-left cable news networks. MSNBC actually had the largest ratings, the highest ratings, of anyone of the night, and being known as the most radical left of all the news networks, it says something about Biden's voters this year. Far fewer moderates are interested in Biden. This is a huge indicator, and nobody seems to have noticed this. All right, now let's look at Michelle's first lie. That's the story of America. A lot of struggle and injustice and work left to do. 
This is one of the primary lies of the left. Michelle Obama is obviously talking about racial injustice against black people in America. Leftists always say there's a lot of work left to do or we still got a long way to go or some similar thing. But I always say, what work? What work do we have to do? What do you mean we've got a long way to go? What are you talking about? What work needs to be done? There is no so-called systemic racism. There are no laws in America that benefit only white people. On the contrary, there are laws that hurt white people specifically and help black people specifically. Uber Eats has said that it will waive delivery fees for black-owned restaurants. Google Maps is now marking black-owned businesses in order to help them specifically. Hollywood has enacted a de facto ban on hiring straight white men. Joe Biden just chose his vice president based exclusively on race and gender. And he said this openly and proudly. Black people are no longer the victims of systemic racism. They are the beneficiaries of it. We must recognize that we've essentially eradicated white racism in America. Yet people still don't realize this. They still complain about it. Racism is constantly claimed where no racism exists. Here's a map of the most racist countries in the world, published by the Washington Post, one of the most left-wing publications in America. The red areas are the most racist, the blue are the least racist. All the white countries, and especially the English-speaking ones, with the exception of France, these are the least racist places on Earth. Now, we definitely do still have a racism problem in America. We do still have a long way to go and a lot of work to do, but it's not in combating white racism against black people. It's combating black racism against white people. Black racism runs rampant through the black populations in America. It's a fundamental aspect of black culture here. Don't study, that's too white. Don't speak well, that's too white. If a black person in the public doesn't seem black enough, or vote the right way, black people will say they're not really black, as Joe Biden so eloquently put it. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Racism still exists in America, and it does hold black Americans down, but it's not white racism against black people, it's black racism against white people. I am one of a handful of people living today who have seen firsthand the immense weight and awesome power of the presidency. The job is hard. It requires clear-headed judgment, a mastery of complex and competing issues. You know, I remember watching this for the first time and I actually laughed out loud. And I said to Valeria, this seems like a warning against voting for Joe Biden. It takes clear-headed judgment and a mastery of complex and competing issues. That sounds precisely like the kind of job that Joe Biden should not do which means that they can't build any factories or any, any, anything within one mile of the estuary of the Delaware River and the Atlantic Ocean and the Chesapeake. And so the whole point of this is that we can do a lot to deal with endangered species. And one of the things I would like to raise is that we have to deal with this on an international basis as well. Yeah, that's the guy she's endorsing by saying this job is hard. Yikes. And our leaders had worked hand in hand with scientists to help prevent an Ebola outbreak from becoming a global pandemic. Notice that Michelle says our leaders work with scientists to prevent an Ebola pandemic. Not Obama, our leaders. Now, whoever wrote this speech crafted it very carefully so that the fact checkers couldn't call her out on this. However, I will fact check it because the Ebola outbreak was never likely to become a pandemic and nothing Obama did prevented it. Ebola was not an easily spread virus like 
COVID-19 is. The outbreak was contained primarily to the region where it emerged in Africa. It makes zero sense to compare this to the coronavirus pandemic that affected the entire world. Now, she might not understand this, but the writer of her speech certainly did. So perhaps Michelle is not lying here. And this goes for everything she says in this speech, but whoever wrote her speech absolutely is lying. But whoever's making a particular speech, whoever has written it for you, you've got to read ahead of time the speech and either accept everything in it or demand it be changed or change it yourself. So the responsibility still rests on Michelle's shoulders to get all of this right. She's still the one expressing the lies. More than 150,000 people have died and our economy is in shambles because of a virus that this president downplayed for too long. What the hell is she talking about? Are you talking about when he walked through Chinatown to prove that Chinese Americans wouldn't affect anyone with the coronavirus? You should come to Chinatown. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. Oh, no, that's right. That was Nancy Pelosi. Maybe you mean when the flights were shut down between China and the United States and Trump condemned them and called them racist. Neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia and travel restrictions based on favoritism and politics rather than risk will be counterproductive. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't Trump either. He was the one that actually shut down the flights from China. He was the one that shut down the flights from Europe. While the Democrats were busy screaming that everything was racist, Trump was actually taking actions to try to make America safe. This is a particularly insidious lie that Trump somehow mismanaged the pandemic. Viral pandemics such as this can't really be managed. The United States did everything short of requiring people wear hazmat suits, and yet the virus still spread through the population, unimpeded. The problem was that the virus had probably already spread too much through the U.S. population before it was discovered, and so no measures to obstruct the spread were ever going to be truly effective. And I actually think we went too far. We took measures that were too disruptive to our lives and to the economy. And these measures were taken because of the advice of experts, not in spite of them. Healthy people quarantined, healthy people wearing handkerchiefs like a 19th century bandit. I mean, these were pointless measures. We definitely did too much. But that's the nature of politicians, better safe than sorry. But the real bunglers have been the Democrat politicians running the cities where the coronavirus has been most deadly, especially New York, where Andrew Cuomo, the governor, praised Trump for his Herculean efforts to save the lives of New Yorkers, while Cuomo himself was forcing infected patients into nursing homes full of the most vulnerable Americans. Democrats insisted that we social distance, wear face masks, cancel events, shut down businesses, quarantine everybody, and then they encouraged rioters to go out and protest tightly together create their own autonomous zones, burn down buildings, loot luxury stores, beat people in the streets, tear down statues of Columbus, Lincoln, anti-slavery abolitionists, and an elk. They call these people peaceful protesters, and they insist that coronavirus could not be spread through their mass gatherings. Every other mass gathering, meanwhile, can spread it according to the left, but not the riots. And after Trump touted the potential benefits of hydroxychloroquine, the left fought against this tooth and nail, not because they knew it was ineffective, but merely because Trump had endorsed it. They'd rather people die than accept a treatment endorsed by Trump. Despicable. Trump has acted responsibly. If anybody has mismanaged this pandemic, it has been leftist politicians. Too many communities have been left in the lurch to grapple with whether and how to open our schools safely. 
How is that Trump's fault? It's so disingenuous to blame the consequences of a global pandemic on Donald Trump. It's absurd. The writer of the speech knows it's absurd, and Michelle knows it's absurd. This lie isn't even remotely believable, even by leftists. We've turned our back, not just on agreements forged by my husband, but on alliances championed by presidents like Reagan and Eisenhower. False. This is just totally false. Yes, Trump pulled out of the Obama-Iran agreement because it was terrible. But turn our back. I mean, that indicates that we've neglected our responsibilities somehow. But this is just the opposite of true. Reagan and Eisenhower made agreements with foreign governments decades ago that have been broken. Indeed. But not by us. By the foreign government. Nobody who signs a contract says, well, if you don't fulfill your side of the bargain, that's all good. Don't even worry about it. I'll fulfill my obligations, but you don't have to fulfill yours. No, contracts must be enforced. Or else what's the point of a contract? Why are we even negotiating? Why don't we just tell every foreign nation, send us a list of your demands and we'll fulfill them. Whatever you want. Holding foreign governments responsible for breaking contracts is a good thing as opposed to breadlines, which are bad things. As George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered. I'm sorry, what? Innocent? I guess she never heard about George Floyd holding a gun against the pregnant woman's stomach. I guess she's never heard about that. There, There are two massive lies here, actually. The first lie is that innocent people of color are being killed by police. The writer of this speech was very clever in saying never-ending. That is true. There are indeed innocent people of color being killed by police sometimes, and since the world keeps on turning, time keeps marching on, this list is technically never-ending. But this is absurdly deceptive. I'm going to be putting out a race and crime cheat sheet here shortly, give you guys the facts that you need in order to combat the deceptive data points that are often referenced by leftists. This idea that innocent black men are being slaughtered by white police officers, this is Put simply, a lie. It's a massive lie. Not only is this not true, but the suggestion that the lie makes, the suggestion that white police officers are racist, that inference is actually contradicted by the facts. So what are the facts? The truth is that black men commit crimes at much higher rates than other demographics. There are about the same number of encounters with police by black men as white men, despite black men being only about 6% of the population. And there are actually more unarmed white men killed by police than black men. So per encounter, white men are actually more likely to be killed by police. That indicates a bias against white men, not a bias against black men. And why is this? I think there are three reasons. One, I don't think white policemen are racist against black people. Two, I think black and Hispanic policemen may sometimes be racist against white people. And three, I think that white cops know that if they kill a black man, they'll be accused of being racist and they may lose their jobs or worse, go to prison. But if they kill a white man, not a problem. But Michelle Obama perpetrating this myth of the great white racist, this is utterly divisive. The left constantly accuses Trump and Republicans of being divisive, but it is they who are divisive. They are merely projecting their own destructive tendencies onto conservatives. Republicans unify, Democrats divide. Stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. What the hell is she talking about? I don't even know what instance she could even be referencing. Trump has never derided the concept that black lives matter. He may have derided the Marxist organization that is called Black Lives Matter. But if I start an organization called The Peacekeepers, then go around shooting random people, 
I couldn't believably claim that the name of my organization is an honest reflection of the actions, intentions, and motivations of my group. Deriding the organization called Black Lives Matter is not the same thing as deriding the concept that Black Lives Matter. The truth is that this term, Black Lives Matter, is now used to progress racist and Marxist political policies. Nobody should ever use this term because it doesn't mean what the words should mean. Instead, we should all use the term, all lives matter. Because the truth is, this term expresses exactly what most people mean when they say Black Lives Matter. But most people who use the term Black Lives Matter, they simply don't understand how the words have been distorted to support racist, Marxist political policies. In any case, this claim by Michelle Obama is a complete and total lie. Donald Trump has never derided the concept that a black life matters. Lie. Whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. This is a major part of Michelle Obama's speech. Trump lacks empathy. This is just cruel. Trump's brother just died in the hospital last week, and she claims that he doesn't have empathy. This is sick. After Trump's brother died, the hashtag WrongTrump trended on Twitter. People were saying things like Trump was golfing when his brother died and saying that Trump didn't care. The left is obviously sick. A guy was just beaten in the streets by Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters in Portland. Riots that were endorsed by the leftist mayor of Portland. The truth is, conservatives have a ton of empathy. They have a ton of sympathy. But we have empathy and sympathy for those who are truly suffering, not those who are pretending that they're suffering. But that's the left's whole game, pretending. They pretend to suffer. They pretend to care. They pretend to be victims and they pretend to have empathy. It's a snowflake SJW woke culture of cosplayers pretending to live in a fantasy version of America where all the problems of 1964 persist, where black people are all good and white people are all evil, where gay men are not praised for coming out but instead shunned by society. In the fantasy America of the leftist imagination, Antifa are heroes and the police are evil oppressors, murdering innocent black people. The left is crazy and Michelle Obama is adding fuel to the crazy fire. Kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. They see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask to keep us all safe. I see a lot more Karens screaming at people to wear masks in grocery stores. But sure, twist reality to support your leftist fantasy world version of things. Why not? They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. True, this does happen sometimes, but not from white people against black people. In the age of Trump, I've only ever seen this sort of attack based solely on race happening from black people against white people or Asians. John Thompson wore a Bob Kroll Musco t-shirt as he disparaged Hugo and shouted profanities at neighbors. Thompson is running to represent District 67A in St. Paul. Uh-oh, he's scared, OG. Crack his shit. I hate Asians, nigga. Nigga. Obviously, this is not what she's talking about, but this is what's happening in America today. I bet Michelle hasn't even seen these videos. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here. Yep, true. Public service announcement. Excuse me. 
if y'all didn't know this is the msc and frankly there's just too many white people in here and this is a space for people of color so just be really cognizant of the space that you're taking up because it does make some of us pocs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here it's only been open for four days and frankly there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at and there's very few spaces for us so keep that in mind thank you This is a sense of entitlement that Michelle has helped to perpetuate. Sadly, I think she really believes that it is black Americans who are the victims of this kind of abuse and that white Americans are the perpetrators. This is a lie, indeed, but I think it's only by the speechwriter. I don't think Michelle actually knows it's false. I may be too generous here, but I think she's the victim of a gross misperception of reality. Nevertheless, this is another massive lie. Winning is everything, because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to everyone else. This is basically the Democrat Party platform. Your husband was involved an illegal spying against candidate Donald Trump to try to help Hillary Clinton get elected in 2016. The spying then continued after Trump took office. The Durham investigation has arrested an inordinate a number of people connected with this scandal, and it looks like it may become the biggest scandal in American political history. This was not Trump. This was not the Republicans. This was your husband. This was the Democrats. Then there's the Russian hoax, the Ukraine hoax, which ended in Trump's impeachment. You Democrats will literally do anything to win. The political philosophy of the left maintains that the ends justify the means. So Michelle is right here. This is true, but it's not what she means, is it? No, she's trying to suggest that this is a conservative problem. She's trying to gaslight her audience into believing that this is a valid characterization of Donald Trump. So again, this is a massive lie. They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. This is a very clever way to express this idea. The left has been doing this for a very long time. They don't say endorse or support or agree with or align with. They say embolden. This is clever because the claim emboldening is difficult to dispute because this is not something that Trump has control over. Trump could adopt a puppy. And if a serial killer loves puppies and then says that, well, I felt emboldened to murder by Donald Trump's adoption of the puppy, nobody could effectively dispute that. If the killer is emboldened, he's emboldened. Now, did Trump do anything wrong by adopting a puppy? Of course not. And yet this is the suggestion by Democrats that Trump intends to embolden white supremacists. But this is obviously a total lie. Nothing Trump has ever done has been to embolden white supremacists. And the accusation that Michelle is trying to reference here, a dog whistle you might say, is the claim that Trump said some white supremacists are good people. But that's not what he said at all. The claim has been refuted even by leftists. There was a debate a while back about the value of Confederate statues, whether they should be taken down or not. Trump believed that there were good and bad people on both sides of this debate. There were rabble-rousers on both sides, and there were good, decent people on both sides. People on both sides had good reasons for their position on this issue. But the left twisted this into a message that Trump supports white supremacy. This is a constant claim of leftists, and it's always a lie. And here we see it yet again. Total lie. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages. Now this is the most egregious lie of the entire speech. It was so egregious that even the Associated Press had to fact check it. The Associated Press, they've become as left-wing as MSNBC, and yet even they couldn't sit idly by without calling out this ridiculous 
lie. Here's what they wrote. Michelle Obama assailed President Donald Trump on Monday for ripping migrant children from their parents and throwing them into cages, picking up a frequent and distorted point made widely by Democrats. But what she did not say is that the very same cages were built and used by her husband's administration for the same purpose of holding migrant kids temporarily. At the height of the controversy over Trump's zero-tolerance policy at the border, photos that circulated online of children in the enclosures generated great anger. But those photos, by the Associated Press, were taken in 2014 and depicted some of the thousands of unaccompanied children held by Barack Obama. Now, immigration officers during the Trump administration have certainly used these facilities to detain children. But these facilities were built under Obama. I understand that the left wants to create a false narrative around Trump depicting him as cruel and evil while praising Obama as good and decent. I get it. But this is Obama's own wife. For a typical Democrat, this type of lie is expected. But for Michelle Obama to make the claim, this is beyond egregious. To attack Trump for something that her husband did, this lie from Michelle Obama, this is a cruel deception of Americans. And it is uniquely vicious. Pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. There you go again. The left continues to perpetrate this lie that the Washington, D.C. protesters were attacked because Trump wanted a photo. Attorney General Barr has dispelled this lie unequivocally. But Democrats just ignore the truth because once again, their fantasy version of the world is more appealing to them. And again, she calls these rioters peaceful protesters. Let me remind you that these same peaceful protesters burned down a historic church in Washington, D.C. As far as I'm concerned, such degenerates deserve no mercy. Nobody steps on a church in my town. After this, Michelle Obama goes on to encourage leftists to go high. Now, I wish you would have used the term take the high road because going high sounds way too much like getting high. And there's far too much of that going on in America already. But I actually agree with her message of going high. I wish that more leftists would embrace it. It certainly is not what they're currently doing. But then she backtracks a little. She takes an unexpected left turn and she redefines what going high means. Democrats do this often. They've redefined racism. They've redefined believe all women. And most recently, they tried to redefine defund the police. But that one didn't work. Now Michelle is trying to redefine the concept of taking the high road. Specifically, she says this. Going high does not mean putting on a smile and saying nice things when confronted by viciousness and cruelty. Going high means standing fierce against hatred. Now, it seems to me, and you guys can correct me on this, it seems to me like she's supporting the, quote, protests. And as we all know, the protests are not peaceful. We've been pretending for a, the past couple months that there has been some kind of distinction between peaceful protests and these violent riots. And perhaps at one time there was a distinction. There are certainly peaceful protesters and violent rioters, arsonists and, and looters. There's a, certainly a distinction between those. But at no point during the demonstrations have the daytime protests not turned into nightly riots. Maybe not in every instance, but certainly in some parts of the country, at every point since George Floyd died and the activists, you know, went mental, there has been burning and looting and violence. These protests were never merely peaceful. Michelle Obama, in her redefining of going high, is supporting a violent and destructive movement. So let me be as honest and clear as I possibly can. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has 
had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. It is what it is. This is the most egregious lie of all, and it's the most absurd lie of all. Donald Trump has risen above all the challenges that he's faced. And despite my utter hatred of the silly rhetorical trends of the left, I'm going to use one here, Trump has more than met this moment. Let me be as honest and as clear as I can. Donald Trump is the right president for our country. It is what it is. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will. Of course things can get worse. Things aren't that bad. Things could have been much worse had we not been in such good shape economically before the pandemic. We can thank Donald Trump for that. And things will get far worse if we don't re-elect Trump. He's focused on the economic improvement of the nation, and he's got the knowledge and experience to draw us out of the pandemic recession. Joe Biden, he's a career politician who's only benefited himself and his family through his positions of power. Never in his whole career has he benefited the American people. I know Joe. He is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. I'm sorry, what? I don't know about Biden's faith, but I can tell you this. I've done a lot of research on Joe, and he's committed some bold crimes while in office. The, the entire reason Trump was impeached by the Democrats is that he dared look into Joe's corruption in Ukraine. But Biden has sacrificed the interests of the American public, not just in Ukraine, but in China and elsewhere in order to fill his family's bank accounts. Joe Biden may seem like a nice guy in person, but lots of criminals do. He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic, and lead our country. False, 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 false. And he listens. He will tell the truth. False. I will grant him this. He may listen. But I doubt he'll understand anything he hears. He will make smart plans and manage a good team. He'll be managed by a team. They will make his plans, but those plans won't be smart, and that team won't be good. And he will govern as someone who's lived a life that the rest of us can recognize. Oh yeah, we can all recognize the life of a career politician. We've all been in political office our entire lives, right guys? We can all recognize that. We've all got several houses, right guys? You know what I think? I think Joe Biden pretends to live a life we can all recognize. Pretending the primary talent of leftist politicians. Now, Joe is not perfect, and he'd be the first to tell you that. But there is no perfect candidate, no perfect president, and his ability to learn and grow, we find in that the kind of humility and maturity that so many of us yearn for right now. <laughs> this is my favorite part of her speech because this was the most honest thing she said. She basically said, look, we all know that Joe's not a great candidate. And look, he's probably not going to be that great of a, a president either. But you know what? Maybe he'll learn on the job. <laughs> yeah, okay, look, the man has dementia, all right? He's senile. If he hasn't figured the job out after eight years as vice president and 9,000 years in the U.S. Senate, I don't think there's much hope for him now. Right now? Folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods. 
They're purging voter rolls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters, and they're lying about the security of our ballots. What the hell is she talking about? These lies aren't even remotely believable. I guess if you drank the leftist Kool-Aid and you just believe anything that a leftist says, sure. The disturbing thing is that Michelle Obama is perceived to be a trustworthy person, and she doesn't typically engage in this kind of political propaganda, so most Americans aren't looking at her claims with a lot of skepticism. This is what makes her very dangerous here. Voter intimidation, closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods, purging voter rolls, lying about the security of the ballots. Conservatives are doing none of those things. And we, we certainly don't think we can't win. Just when you think Michelle's lies can't get any more outrageous, you get this crap. Unbelievable. No wonder Democrat voters hate us. They're fed absolute lies about us constantly by people who are generally considered to be trustworthy, like Michelle Obama. This is really twisted. We've got to vote early, in person if we can. We've got to request our mail-in ballots right now, tonight, and send them back immediately. Did you hear that? This is clever. Michelle Obama is strongly encouraging Democrats to vote early, as soon as possible, now. Send them in immediately, she says. This message was crafted very specifically by Democrats. Why? Because they know if voters wait until after the debates, even after one debate, it's going to be painfully obvious to voters that Joe Biden is not up to the job of president. The contrast between Donald Trump and Joe Biden will become so evident that even brainwashed Democrat voters will begin to recognize Joe Biden's cognitive decline. This is very crafty of Democrats to put this in Michelle Obama's speech. Very crafty. All right, there were actually a lot more lies in this speech. It was so riddled with lies that I had to cut out most of the repetitive ones. At the end of the day, you could dismiss this entire speech as a mere list of standard Democrat lies for 2020. It's sad, actually, because until now, most people liked Michelle Obama. In fact, Michelle Obama has an approval rating higher than any other political personality in America right now. And she has despicably leveraged that goodwill in order to try to gaslight the American people. Michelle Obama presented a keynote address that was riddled with blatant, absurd, and vicious lies. I hope this decimates her approval rating because she has shown that she's no better than any other lying leftist politician. Politicians are known for being viciously deceitful. Some might even say that this characterization can be used to define the word politician. Michelle Obama claims she hates politics, but dang, she is good at it. Well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much. That isn't so. Good night. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. Well, perhaps there is a simple answer. That we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right. <laughs>